I hate the Mariah Carey song, All I Want for Christmas is You. I hate it. Why? I just feel like Christmas songs, you're supposed to be able to sing along with them. <laughs> and I, you can't <laughs> sing along with that song. I just, it, I feel like it violates what Christmas is. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I understand where you're coming from. I totally disagree. I love the song. I, I, <laughs> it. I changed the radio station and I love Christmas music. That is so funny. Uh, I did really appreciate that she, as you and the girls pointed out, just sang the original recording. Oh, yeah. I mean, or lip sync to the original 1994 recording or whatever it <laughs> came out at the Macy's Parade. It's like, this is not a new, you're <laughs> absolutely not singing this, you psycho. Is that when it came out, 94? It had to have been something like that. Yeah, I don't know the exact date. Okay, because that, like, the date was sticking out in my head, and I don't know if I'm right or wrong. (laughs) But that was so funny that it was literally just the same exact recording. (laughs) Right. But we're not here to talk about Mariah. No, we're here to talk about, well, usually, uh, Herstory. On the Rocks! With Katie. And Allie. This is a podcast where we typically talk about famous women in history. We talk about good women and bad women and fictional women and non-fictional women from all times and places because women have nuance. But keep in mind, we're drinking the entire time. And we are not historians. No. No. Uh, but we'll be getting into a lot of different histories today. Yeah, from all um, around. That we definitely just Googled. So, you know, mm-hmm. I <laughs> want to be clear. We are not experts on nope. pagan rituals mm-hmm. or, you know, Germanic holiday or traditions. Or the Byzantine Empire. Or the Byzantines. Nothing. Or, yeah, or the, yeah, just... So keep that in mind. <laughs> Be nice to us. I did this research an hour before I came here. Oh, wow. That's exciting. <laughs> I had mine done yesterday like a champion. Good for you. <laughs> I know. Oh it was a gosh. big, big deal. I wanted to I print it out at school because my that. printer here is broken. <laughs> so I'm stealing office supplies like a chump. Okay. Perfect. So do you want to know what we're drinking? There's yes, no I like do. physical or anything tonight. We're yeah. just doing our mini Christmas episode. Yeah, we're just hopping into the holiday season. Yeah. It's the holiday season. I do like that song. I like that song a lot. Okay. This is a peppermint martini. So we recently went to dinner, Katie and I and the girls, to a plant store called Plant Store. What would you call it? I would, yeah. Greenhouse? Yeah. Um, I would say a plant store. A plant um, store with an attached restaurant yeah, and other goodies. And other goodies, yeah. yes. <laughs> Tropical treats and such, one yeah. might say. <laughs> um, and I got this uh, peppermint simple syrup for the podcast, mm-hmm. so we're finally using it. So this is a peppermint gin martini, mm. and it is an ounce and a half of chilled gin, mm-hmm. and then um, a half an ounce of peppermint simple syrup and a half an ounce of creme de coco all garnished with a full size <laughs> candy cane oh, cheers mm. good right mm-hmm. it also tastes different than i expected because it smells so much of peppermint yeah. that i thought it was going to taste way too sweet way, no actually i thought it was going to taste way too bitter oh interesting i th- i was expecting like have you ever like i thought it was going to taste like gin with like a hint of peppermint, like oh, or so like, like oil, like yeah, <laughs> like I thought that yeah, it's really nice though. Um, and I'm it. again, I'm trying with the martini. Yeah, I know I'm not. That's I think not it's my delightful. favorite. But I'm doing my best. Okay. It also reminds me of that scene in Anastasia 
when she's like peppermint oil and she's like for my hands and she goes i remember i spilled a bottle on the floor and the carpet always smelled of peppermint oil yeah it also reminds me (laughs) that scene reminds me of the scene in um what's the twin movie with Lindsay Lohan. Oh, Parent Trap? Yeah, where she talks about how his um, cigar smoke, what it mm. smells like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Okay. His tobacco. Yeah. <laughs> Are you ready to talk? I am. So you're going to go first. And we just decided to talk tonight about some various holiday traditions that you might not know the origins of, because I know I didn't before this week. <laughs> yeah. Some of them I've taught in school before in mm-hmm. like history where we do like the day before winter break. We yeah. do like Christmas around the world mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So a couple of them I've heard. But first, when you're listening to this, this will be the first day after the winter solstice, which is like the best. The mm-hmm. winter solstice, December 21st, the mm-hmm. longest night of the year. <laughs> and Cultures all over the world, long Mm -hmm. before the birth of Jesus, were celebrating the winter solstice Mm -hmm. between December 20th and December like 27th. Not Mm -hmm. everybody had the date like Mm -hmm. exactly right, but they were close. So because most ancient cultures were hunters, they spent a lot of their time outdoors in the and the weather and temperature like really impacted their life. So they would worship the sun with great reverence. That's why a lot of our ancient cultures have sun gods. Mm -hmm. Some cultures would celebrate the sun on this day, the winter solstice day. Some would celebrate another planet. But the whole idea is that you are you've now reached the darkest point mm-hmm. of the year and every day is one step closer to the summer oh, that That's feels so lovely hopeful, isn't <laughs> it like when you guys are listening to this the sun is setting later now oh that On is so this nice Thursday, to know the 22nd it'll be setting a little bit later all the way until we reach the summer solstice wow okay uh-huh. see i always feel like we're in the dark times around like the beginning of february right. where i'm mm-hmm. like wow this is depressing mm-hmm. It's because February is so much colder in Maryland yeah. than December is. Yeah. February mm-hmm. and March are like March, especially is when I hit my deep, dark times. Oh yeah. Because you just want it to be spring like Easter's here. And you're like, why is it snowing? Yeah. <laughs> this makes no sense. The Easter bunny does not hide yeah. eggs in the snow. Um, but yeah, so it's really nice that the winter solstice, this is it. Yeah. I love that. The one time. Mm. Okay. So, uh, we now know that the winter solstice is on the 21st. But when Christianity made it to the north, the Byzantine Empire, Emperor Constantine is like, we're going to make it the official religion of the Roman Empire. It makes it to the north, but people are reluctant to give up their traditions. Mm -hmm. So they just kind of bend Jesus's (laughs) birth to make it fit on top of the other traditions Mm -hmm. because Jesus was most likely born in the spring. People from the Roman Empire, Northern Scandinavia, the Celts in Ireland all celebrated the solstice. The Celts believed that the sun would stand still for 12 days, and that's the original 12 days of Christmas. <gasps> cool. That again later on got transformed into a song. About a bunch of birds. Yeah. My goodness. The 12 days <laughs> of Christmas are now from the 24th through January 6th, and I think it's supposed to be from Jesus' birth to January 6th, I think, is the day the wise men uh-huh. are, were supposed to have come. Like the We Three Kings Day or something. Okay. Or Epiphany. I don't know. It's one of those things. Yeah. Because no. it's also confusing. Because, like, some say that the wise men came, like, when Jesus was, like, three years old. Right. So like, it's all, much, like, much later. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Um, also from all of this, we get mistletoes and trees and wreaths and yule logs. And I'm here today to talk about greenery from cultures around the world. <laughs> Are we prepared to start with the Christmas tree? Yes. What's your favorite part about decorating your Christmas tree? Oh, my favorite part is getting out all the ornaments and putting them up and figuring out where they're going to go. And I just, I honestly love that part. I could really do without um, putting the lights on. Oh God, the lights. Yeah. That is super annoying. Um, but, <laughs> and I love putting the star on top cause we have a super cute star. Um, but yeah, I just love the whole thing. We always put on either Christmas music or like this year we had Charlie Brown Christmas on while we were decorating it. Cause mm -hmm. you know, you've seen it so many times they don't have to look at it, you right. know? So you know what's happening when Lucy is like trying yes. to give her advice for five cents. Mm -hmm. And it's also something that like fiance and I do together, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, it's always been kind of this private thing for us, which is so nice. Yeah, like nobody sweet. else ever helps us or anything. And it's just kind of nice. I That's like it. Cute. <laughs> yeah. D producer and I actually don't decorate the tree together. He puts really? the lights on and then kind of like, and we're, me and the girls are doing something. And then he yeah. sits down and like watches football. He's uh -huh. in the room with us, but then right. we put on the decorations. Interesting. So it's, we take shifts. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny as my, my parents pointed out that my mom hasn't put ornaments on the tree in years. Oh yeah. It was always your dad. <laughs> always my dad. Yeah. And like, cause like she was like, all right, I'll be over to help in a minute when my dad and I were putting the ornaments on this year. And he goes, you're always fiddling around with other stuff and you never actually make it to putting this on because she's putting the garland around and the R12 Days of Christmas bulbs above the window. Uh -huh. I'm like, <laughs> she never actually hangs anything on the tree. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's the deal with Christmas trees. Evergreens were really important to a lot of ancient cultures because they stayed green all year round. Mm. So they were celebrated and worshipped because people saw it as a sign of fertility. They saw oh. it as a sign of hope that yeah. like goodness is coming again. Um, and unlike most things that are dead that time of year, it was nice to have something that brought some color to the world. Cause this yeah. is before Christmas lights and electricity and dyed cloth. Yeah. Everything is Brown and gray mm -hmm. and gloomy as early as fourth century AD European pagans would decorate their homes with branches of evergreen fir trees in order mm. to bring color and light into the dull winter homes. Uh. Romans, Vikings, Egyptians all used branches for decorations during, um, festivals of Saturnalia. So they are all taking in this December time when all the other trees are dead, mm -hmm. bringing in plants to celebrate the God of Saturn. That is so cool. And Christmas trees were really difficult to infuse into Christian society because it was seen as a pagan symbol. In mm -hmm. fact, the Pope did not allow a Christmas tree to go up in the Vatican until 1982. <laughs> Oh my 1982 God. that is crazy i know I because know it was a pagan thing yeah. um it was really looked down upon as we talked about in the queen victoria episode when prince albert brought one into the castle because mm -hmm. it was a german thing right mm -hmm. so we lutherans adopted it in germany people like martin luther were mm -hmm. bringing um this pagan evergreen symbol into the idea of christmas uh -huh. and because prince albert had grown up in Germany, he brought that tradition with him to England uh, and put it in like the palace with yeah. Queen Victoria. He was like, this is something 
I really want. So there was an illustration of the royal family with a Christmas tree in the background in the newspaper. <gasps> and just like Queen Victoria and her white dresses, like having her with the Christmas tree changed the mindset of everybody in England and in turn yeah. everybody in the United States. That's so funny because I also read that like gingerbread houses were obviously another like German kind of thing mm -hmm. and Queen Elizabeth the first was the first person to like make a gingerbread house with her family and that's how like it got kind of translated. The royals are just yeah, I just think on top of it. They are the only people that have the true availability to travel amongst these cultures. That is such a good point. Like so they're bringing things back. Normal like English people are probably not traveling to Germany all the time right. and bringing home customs. But and but a lot of these people are, or they're marrying their children yeah. off into these cultures, so mm -hmm. they have to be taught how to communicate with these people. Yeah. So I, a lot of it comes from royalty, and then we all just follow along because we're yeah. like little puppets. <laughs> we're like, that seems cool. I'll do that. They're the original influencers. Yeah. But then um, U.S. German settlers brought them over to Massachusetts in early America, like the 1600s, and people start putting up trees. But we all know about Massachusetts. That's red letter land. That's the crucible land right oh. outside of Salem. You're like, oh, we all know letter. about Massachusetts. And I was like, do what we? are you talking the about? The Puritans are there. <laughs> okay. That's what we know. Yes. <laughs> so the Puritans in 1659 made Christmas trees illegal <laughs> because they were pagan. So you could not have a Christmas tree in Massachusetts in 1659. So you are a uh, devil You're breaking the law. You're breaking the <laughs> law. <laughs> now, many argue that the Christmas tree has its roots in Christianity. We always like to pull symbols. Oh, yeah. But some of it might a little bit. Like they talk about the tree in the Garden of Eden and people used to decorate trees with apples to symbolize that. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely a piece of it. Trees have also been cut in triangle shapes to represent uh, the Trinity. And mm. I mean, evergreens kind of already grow in triangle shapes, but it is right. a big symbol in Christianity, the idea of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. um, but one of my favorite stories I read about Christmas trees is that in Germany in 723, St. Boniface encountered a pagan preparing a sacrifice at an oak tree dedicated to a god. Mm -hmm. Apparently, he took an axe to the tree, like George Washington, <laughs> and struck, like, struck the tree over and over again to cut yeah. down this oak tree. And when he wasn't struck by the god, they, like, all the pagans, they were, like, surprised that the gods didn't kill the saint for cutting down the oak tree. And uh -huh. then the legend is that a fir tree grew in place. <gasps> of oh, uh, the oak tree very exciting <laughs> since 1930 this guy who manufactured toilet bowl brushes apparently had a surplus of the product and it is said that he created the first artificial christmas tree with the same items used to make toilet bowl brushes just dyed green <laughs> now 84 percent of american homes use fake Trees. 84%. 84%. Only 16% of people have real trees in their home. Really? Mm -hmm. It's really rare. I grew up with a fake tree. I never had a real tree until I married into your family. I can't, I, you know, I know that some people are just frankly allergic, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know. And it's cheaper. It lasts year after year. So cheap. I paid so much money for my stupid I know. tree I know. this year. I know. It's crazy. Oh, and we didn't even cut ours down. Like, cause you just I got it off a lot. You know, we grew up cutting, going to the farm, cutting the tree down. It was like a whole thing. And 
you know, it's also been funny to me that our family, it has been either like 30 people come with us or one or just me. It was just me this year. Yeah. Yeah. With your parents. <laughs> my yeah. parents. That's so funny. You know, everybody's can... so freaking busy and crazy. It's like, know. who knows what's happening and when? Yeah, I know. So it, but it's one of those things. So it, we've never not done it though, even right. through COVID, even through everything, which mm-hmm. does make me happy. I will say the tree last year was shit, but yeah. It was hard. It was bad. Last year, I think everything was just shit. Yeah. <laughs> Last year and the year before were really hard on Christmas. Um, but also, though, some people say that's not the origins of the fake tree. Oh. Some people are saying, like, since the 1800s, people have been dyeing goose feathers green and goose just, like, feathers. making trees. That sounds really like it's going to catch on fire. Yeah. The trees are just fire hazards. Why are we putting them in our house and putting hot things on them? I just don't understand. Okay, but then my favorite. I lied. I said the last one's my favorite. I lied. This was my favorite. In Ukraine, they have a tradition of decorating trees with spider webs. The folktale goes that a poor widow found a tree for her children but had no money to afford decorations, so she hung nuts and fruits on the tree. That night, saddened, she prayed for cheer and joy. Spiders overheard her prayer and decorated the tree overnight with delicate webs that sparkled in the morning sun the next day. Hmm. I don't know if I would be so happy about that. Yep. I don't know if I would see that as a gift. I hope it's an outdoor tree. I think tree. I would <laughs> think of it as an epox on my house. It's um, terrifying. But <laughs> terrifying to me. Uh, yeah, spiders are terrifying. But I think that's fun because, like, female spiders are the ones that, like, make the big webs. Yeah. I think. I ha- That would make sense to me. So, I don't I mean, all spiders have to eat. <laughs> so, right. I don't know why they would only be female spiders. But I just think that's a cool, like, mother trying to make Christmas happen story. I think so, too. Because that's really what Christmas is. Well, and it also kind of reminds me of, like, I mean, when people put, like, uh, fake snow or, like, they spray the yeah. green, like, the white stuff on it. Or if they, you know, put tinsel or something mm-hmm. on it. Uh, I'm not a big tinsel person, but I it's know messy. some people are. It's I didn't. I, that's so messy. Messy, messy, <laughs> messy. messy. <laughs> yeah, that's another one I have to watch this year. Uh-huh. I haven't done the that snowman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's move to wreaths. Okay, it's kind of an offshoot. This is an offshoot of trees, obviously, because it's still greenery. Yes. <laughs> so, hanging a wreath on a door or a wall is totally an essential uh-huh. for like Yuletide happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and the tree gave birth to the wreath. So when trees started to be brought inside, they would be pruned first. So limbs would be cut off to make the tree a more uniform shape. Obviously mm-hmm. now a triangle. Instead of throwing the greens away though, they were woven into wreaths. Ah. It's also said, obviously, like I said, the tree needed to be triangle. However, Before the wreaths were a Christmas accessory, they were a symbol of victory and power in ancient Greece and Rome. Um, After the nymph, Daphne, rejected Apollo, he said, quote, Since you cannot be my wife, you shall surely be my tree. O Laurel, I shall forever have you in my hair, on my lyre, and my quiver. This line inspired art depicting Apollo crowning himself with a wreath. Hmm. Athenians who won the ancient games in Athens would also be crowned with a wreath of olives. Just a few years ago when we had the Summer Olympics in Athens, they not uh-huh. only got their medal, but they got the wreath mm-hmm. on their head. Um, wreaths are also worn by priests, 
priests performing sacrifices, by heroes returning home from battle, by a bride on the day of her nuptials, and even the guest of honor at a feast. But Christmas brought a new meaning to the wreath. They were originally... <laughs> much, much smaller, and actually used to hang on trees because you had to make something huh. round. So you would, like, weave some of the stuff together with berries and then yeah. put it on your actual huh. tree. But, I mean, they're round for the same reason that a crown is round. It fits on your head. Right. <laughs> now, Christians do say that it symbolizes eternity with the shape of the circle, eternal mm -hmm. life, and have also used it as a base of an advent wreath, mm -hmm. which, if you don't know, there's four candles, one for every Sunday in December with a... Um, Purple. A fifth candle in the middle mm -hmm. that are lit on the last day or on Christmas morning, I think. Mm -hmm. Those are some of my best memories of Ugh. lighting the advent wreath and not burning the church down. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel about it every time. Well, and we had these like little costumes that we had to put on. Mm -hmm. So like one of my favorite moments in my life is when, because obviously Zach and I were the youngest people in the church at some point. Right. And uh, so you'd have one child doing the advent reading and one lighting the advent candle. Uh -huh. And... Uh, there came a point where I was better at reading than Zach, so they had him light the candle and me do the reading. But the candle lighter was always the little kid, so it was like this little blue cape with this <laughs> giant gold bow tie. And Zach is wearing it? That is so funny. And I think the next year he was like, no, Katie's wearing it even though she's doing the reading. <laughs> mm, so cute. That is. <laughs> As with many things, though, Clement Clark Moore's poem, A Visit from St. Nicholas, or Twas the Night Before Christmas, influenced so many of our mm -hmm. traditions. Specifically, this one says about St. Nick smoking a pipe, and the smoke encircled his head like a wreath. <gasps> so the fact that that line is now connected with Santa Claus mm -hmm. has changed it. But honestly, a wreath comes from the don't throw anything away culture. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Yeah, it's just we cut, we cut the trimmings of the tree and now we need to use the trimmings of the tree. Like yep. we didn't throw things away back then. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that is reeds. Basic gist. <laughs> now for mistletoe, smoochy smoochy. <laughs> Kissing under the mistletoe is a well-honored holiday tradition, but it dates back thousands of years. The Greek were known to use it, mistletoe itself, as a cure for everything from menstrual, menstrual cramps to spleen disorders. What? Um, it's also noted as a balm for epilepsy, ulcers, and poisons. Mm. Had no idea. Mm -mm. Um, but the romantic overtones most likely started with celtic druids in the first century a.d because mistletoes bloom not just their leaves but their actual like blooms even during like the frozen winter time yeah. so druids came to view it as a sacred symbol of vivacity and fertility and some say they would perform like some sexy sexy <laughs> sexy time underneath the mistletoe they administered it to humans and animals alike hoping to restore fertility to women who were not having luck getting pregnant mm. Also important, though, in Norse mythology, as the story goes, one of the god Odin's sons was prophesied to die. His mother, the goddess of love, went to all the animals and plants in the natural world to secure an oath that they would not harm him. But she neglected to consult the mistletoe. Mm. So Loki made an arrow with the plant and used it to kill Odin's son. Mm. In a happier version, he was resurrected and his mother declared the mistletoe the symbol of love and vowed to plant a kiss on all those who passed beneath it. Oh. 
The idea of the mistletoe and fertility continued through the Middle Ages, and by the 18th century, it became a part of Christian Christmas. It became a Christmas decoration, just like all of our other transplant traditions. Mm -hmm. But uh, the creepy part really came later when it is said, quote, Men are allowed to steal a kiss from any woman caught standing under the mistletoe, and refusing is bad luck. Mm. So don't love that. A little bit. That's like (laughs) 1940s office secretary work. Like I don't want to deal with that. Yep. (laughs) So that's our little mistletoe. I love it. I do too. I also didn't realize that mistletoe was like an invasive species. Because I was like trying to look up pictures of it, and I just saw these like kind of like bunches of it on other trees, Mm. and apparently, like yeah, like kind of goes around and. It's not good for trees. So if you see mistletoe in the wild, you should tear it off. And bring it home to your house. Exactly. And then hang it up. I have fake mistletoe in my house. Your mom always has fake mistletoe as well. I think she's never taken it down. Yeah, no, she leaves it up year round. round. (laughs) It stays year. I think one year she didn't take it down and then it became a permanent fixture of the Greenwood entryway. All right, finally, a Yule log. So mm. now we know Yule log is like a food, but I'm not talking about the food the Yule log. log. I'm talking about the log log. <laughs> <laughs> Norway is the birthplace of the Yule log. The ancient Norse used a Yule log in their celebration of the sun in winter. Yule comes from the North Norse word Hule, which means wheel. They believed that the sun was a great wheel of fire that rolled toward and away the earth. And that's why we had winter and summer. Mm. The family fireplace is actually a central part of Christmas because of these Yule log traditions, like the hearth and the fireplace. Mm -hmm. The Yule log was originally an entire tree and they would put the fat end of the tree in the fireplace and light it on fire and each night when they were lighting their fireplace, they would move the tree like farther into huh. the fire. Like, and they would pick the tree with care because the idea was that for the 12 days of Christmas, you were slowly warming your family mm. with this one tree that you've chosen. Um, other cultures have done it so that like you cut a piece off of the tree and put it in the fire. So it's mm. not like your house could become a light at any moment. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, Yule logs are just a part of warming your family and choosing again, an evergreen tree or a tree from nature to bring into your home. Yeah. So what I got from greenery <laughs> in, <laughs> in all my research is just like how important mm-hmm. um, and how much warmth, like, green and fire brings into your house oh yeah i Mm -hmm. i just thought it was really neat because i mean what we know about pagans is they were bigger on equality right Mm -hmm. than like so there was a lot more women involved Mm -hmm. and one year we've got to do some of the other like santa claus stuff because there's like women involved oh yeah i mentioned two (laughs) of them at the end of my story yeah Mm -hmm. good because i was just i was doing a lot of research and i was like this is amazing and i actually didn't care to do this research but it was a lot of fun (laughs) yeah it's super fun (laughs) stop and be like okay so this is why i do this and it doesn't like i'm all for jesus i think he's a cool dude and i love i love christmas Mm -hmm. like for that reason i have so many fond memories i love setting up my nativity Mm -hmm. like all that is so fun but i really like knowing why i have wreaths why do i have a tree well it's also nice because in doing all this research i was i felt like i was learning that 
it's not even just we took this from that. It's like we took this from a lot of things. Like as a lot of like you're talking about with the winter solstice, like a lot of cultures were celebrating around this time with very in various ways, mm-hmm. but like some of them were similar to one another. So like we combined. Yeah, we combined like, you know, because well, I don't know. I just think it's like I always thought of the Christmas tree as just German, but it's not. It's like the pr- practice of bringing green into the home was in other places besides Germany. Yeah, and I, like there's so many other like religious holidays yeah. that are in December as mm-hmm. well and cultural holidays like, mm-hmm. you know, obviously Hanukkah and Kwanzaa, but sometimes Eid al-Fitr ends mm-hmm. up in December. Not always because the Islamic calendar moves around and mm-hmm. sometimes there are Indian holidays that mm-hmm. land in December and it's like yeah. that's really fun that the whole world is celebrating at the same exact time. Ugh. It feels great. It does. <sighs> So I'm going to talk first about gift giving, since I'm sure we're all doing last minute Christmas shopping this Mm -hmm. week. (laughs) So on December 23rd, the Romans held the festival of Siglaria, a day where particular markets were set up to sell sigla or pottery figures and wax candles that were offerings to Saturn. So this is, again, going back to Saturnalia. Yeah. And it's interesting because I also read something else that like the reason like Christians kind of made Chris, like Christmas around Saturnalia it was because they were already celebrating something and it was illegal to be a Christian at a certain point in Roman right. times. Oh, yeah. So they were just like, oh, well, we'll just like tack our things onto this holiday uh-huh. and we'll <laughs> see why we, we have a lot of these So we things. don't get murdered. Exactly. <laughs> um, and as time went on, the Saturnalia celebrations um, absorbed the Siglaria. So those were like the actual items and... Um, so they became like basically the Christmas markets of the ancient Roman empire. So like these markets that were originally like, you know, not super attached became like kind of synonymous with one another. And it's like, Hmm. oh, okay. So when the markets are going on, then you buy presents for Saturnalia. (laughs) Um, and of course, you know, the gifts we buy today would be nowhere near what ancient Romans could have bought, but, but it's still like the tradition of, Buying something special, especially like at a market, you know, dates back to the Roman times, Mm. which is really cool. Um, So I'm going to talk about candy canes next. (laughs) So these are all very short, by the way. Mm. So legend has it that the candy cane dates back to 1670 when the choir master at the Cologne Cathedral in Germany handed out sugar sticks among his young singers in the choir to keep them quiet during the ceremony. And... Uh, one person, like one historian said, in honor of the occasion, he also bent the canes into um, shepherd's crooks. Right. Because <laughs> when he gave the kids the sugar sticks to keep them quiet, people in the Rotten. church were like, uh, excuse me, but like, that's not okay. Candy has no place in church. And he was like, fine, I'll shape it into a shepherd's staff. <laughs> and then like, then it's Christmassy. <laughs> Nothing like a blue haired lady walking yeah. at church. I mean, that, if that doesn't say Christmas to you. I know. <laughs> uh, and while a lot of us are at church, the, we also tend to sing Christmas carols or hymns. Um, and a lot of them, it says, are undeniably Christian. <laughs> um, but the tradition itself of going door to door singing to your neighbors comes from another pagan tradition called wassailing. 
So like that song, like here we here we go a wassailing. Here we go a wassailing. <laughs> don't know the rest. Don't know what it is after wassailing. <laughs> um, among the leaves so green. Yeah, I thought that's it. Don't you come? Don't you? Something like that. Something like that. Um, but this word comes from the Anglo-Saxon phrase of wassail, translating to good health. So every year. Washailers would roam through their villages in small groups singing loudly with the aim of banishing evil spirits and wishing good health to those around them. Same. I know. <laughs> Do you remember caroling? Katie, I <laughs> hate that I did that in my life. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's a tradition that should have died when, like, yeah, radios I'm, began. I'm good with, like, a caroling group located in a public space where you can come and see them uh-huh. but the idea of like someone knocking on my door to sing to sing i don't like it shocking i don't like shocking. it. shocking halloween is the only time you can knock on a stranger's yeah, door exactly <laughs> that is it i like hide when someone knocks on my oh door oh my gosh i mean i remember us doing it for a youth group and i guess people liked it i don't know but I think then how- older people like it yeah i think it's sweet yeah but I just did not I feel enjoy like doing it. That's something <laughs> that needs to only happen at like a nursing home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like yeah. you go and you sing, <laughs> you carol. But apparently, no wassailing group was complete without their traditional drink on hand. So this was made so from mulled ale, curdled cream, roasted apples, eggs, spices, and sugar. <laughs> hate it. I hate that. <laughs> Make me that. Okay. I know. Make me that. I want to see what it tastes like. I think the curdled cream was where I got really lost. Well, um. <laughs> uncurdled cream then. Yeah. If it ever comes back to the stores. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then we have advent calendars. Um, so early versions of this tradition started in Germany, like apparently a lot of these things do, um, in 1903 by publisher Gerhard Land. So he offered a way for children to count down the Christmas um, to Christmas by opening one door or window a day. But when it first came out, they were reading Bible passages. Um, <laughs> oh, that's not Which fun. is not as fun. No. Um, or, and then eventually they would get a poem and then eventually a small gift. Um, so this started gaining mass popularity in 1920. And of course, you know, the advent calendar has gone absolutely bananas. They're insane. <laughs> They're insane. There's somewhere it's like... A new luxury perfume every, every day, day until Christmas. And it's like $2,000. I'm yeah. like, who needs, no, number one, that many perfumes? Mm-hmm. Uh, and number two, that's so much money to spend on an advent calendar. Oh, yeah, calendar. yeah. My kids' advent calendars are $25 a piece, usually. Yeah. That's still a lot, though. Yeah, it is. Like, <laughs> it is. It's a lot of money. Like, they get a toy. It's a toy. Like, th- this year, they're like Funko Pop toys, like, yeah. every day. Um, yeah, the one I got for Marjorie is just a different tea every oh, night. Oh, that's nice. And that was like a nice, like 24 different tea bags. It was only like $10, oh, you know? Good. So, I mean, it's crazy. Like yeah. I, once the kids move out, I'm buying myself an advent calendar of like a bottle of wine or something yeah. every day. <laughs> <laughs> Seems unhealthy. <laughs> um, and then I'm going to talk about Christmas lights because I didn't really think about this until before it was like, oh, I guess, yeah, there weren't any Christmas lights before the light bulb was invented. Right. Um, but <laughs> They did use all candles on Christmas trees. I cannot understand Insanity. that. The biggest fire hazard I could possibly think how, of. How well watered were these trees? How? I hope very well. Okay. <laughs> um, so it's funny, though, because so Thomas Edison obviously, like, invented the light bulb or whatever. 
And his partner and friend, Edward Hibbard Johnson, had the idea of putting these new light bulbs um, around, like on a string around a Christmas tree. Huh. Isn't that wild? So he first did it in 1882. That was when the first light bulbs went on Christmas trees. Wow. I know. And by 1914, the lights were being mass produced. And now 150 million sets of lights are sold in the U.S. each year. Yeah. Honestly, I thought it'd be more because I bought like six new strands of lights this year. Mm -hmm, And I mm -hmm. already had a bunch. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So now we're going to talk about the story of St. Nicholas because he was actually a real person, which is so interesting. He's from Turkey. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So Nicholas of Bari was born in the 4th century in the town of Mira in Asia Minor, which is now modern-day Turkey. His parents were wealthy Christians who apparently had trouble conceiving for many years. So when Nicholas was born, he was like their miracle baby. Mm. But soon after he was born, his parents died from an epidemic that was raging around Turkey at the time. And he was sent to live and be raised um by his uncle, the Bishop of Myrna. But he always had tons of money because of his large inheritance from his parents. So he grew up like this very wealthy orphan living in the church. We got his Harry Potter. I know. His uncle loved him dearly and had a vision that his young ward would bring happiness to many, uh, especially children. And it proved to be correct from an early age. Nicholas was always extremely kind and generous, and he would go out of his way to help people. And because he was an orphan, he paid particular attention to children in need, sometimes helping them, you know, make toys for themselves and each other, you know, which was really sweet. But Nicholas didn't just help people because it made him feel good. Um, He did it because it was the right thing. So in one instance, a man in the town had three virgin daughters, but because he was very poor, he had no dowry to get them married and he couldn't afford to take care of three adult women so he was ready to just sell his daughters into slavery because he was like i literally don't have any other option so nicholas was like well i'm not just gonna let these three girls get sold into slavery like that's terrible but he also didn't want to like go to the guy and be like i have money for your daughters and obviously he was also part of the church so he couldn't get married so it was like all these things so he was like how can I help this guy out by like not embarrassing him and also not like breaking my vows and getting married? Mm. Like he just didn't know what to do. Um, so he decided that he was going to get on top of their house and drop a bag of gold down their chimney. <laughs> I mean, there's no other way to do it, honestly. There's no other way. Um, and the legend goes that it came down the chimney and they had laid their like stockings out to like dry or whatever. It was, it was one of those things like, did they have stockings in ancient Turkey? Did they have chimneys? I don't know. I'm sure they had some sort of sockware, right? Some sort of funnel to get smoke out of their house. Yes. I don't know. But yeah, that's the legend is that, you know, and some of the coins spilled into the stockings, but it was like a miracle, you know, I mean, this gold just came down from the chimney. Um, and it was enough money for the oldest daughter, um, to have a dowry. And so the oldest daughter is taken care of time goes on and he kept doing it for the other two daughters. Um, but apparently people did catch him on the last one. They saw him up on the roof. (laughs) Um, 
So, but yeah, so they just knew that it wasn't like a miracle. It was just Nicholas being a sweetie. So he continued, though, throughout his whole life, giving money away anonymously to people who needed it in the village. Um, And people started to leave shoes and stockings out so that Nicholas could drop money in them to be like, hey, like, I need some help. Like, if you can, like, give me some in Mm. my stocking or my shoe. Um, so Nicholas's activities um, ex- or actions inspired people all over the town to anonymously give money or presents to other people. But everyone around town and around Turkey all like just always assumed that all the gifts were from Nicholas <laughs> because nobody wanted to take credit because that was the whole point was that it was anonymous. So it kind of created this air of mystery and magic around him because they're like, well, I got a gift gift from, you know, Nicholas but how did you get one? Like you're all the way across town mm. or whatever. Like, so it's very mysterious. <laughs> did you know that we celebrate St. Nick day here? What do you mean at your house? Yeah. So December 6th is the first day my kids get a present. <gasps> so like Fun. they leave their shoes on December 5th outside their door at night. And then, I mean, it's the elf on the shelf that leaves them presents in it, but we yeah. call it presents from St. Nick. Like, Oh they, my gosh. And like, since they were babies, yeah. I've always been like, you have to leave them out on December 5th. And then they just get like a candy cane and like something else. And I don't know why. And my mom didn't do it. I just started it when they were kids. I was like, this is kind of like a cool thing that honors the real person. That's so cool. And now Marjorie's a part of it. The last two years she's lived here. She leaves her shoes out. Everybody gets a little (laughs) present. It's a lot of fun. And uh, they're all from quote sparkles, our our house elf, but (laughs) not our house elf. That's Harry Potter. Our elf on the shelf. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I It's something, like, I feel, like, really, like, intrinsically, like, we should really talk more about him. Yeah, because he's a great <laughs> fucking really, person. Really great person. Um, but, yeah, he wanted to sail on, like, he actually really wanted to, like, see the whole world in his lifetime. Like, that was his goal, uh, which is why he's also, like, he's the patron saint of children, but he's also the patron saint of sailors, which yeah. I thought was interesting. <laughs> It's like gods. They'll be like, they're the god of war and peace. Uh And you're like, what? Yeah. (laughs) That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, But yeah, he would just travel around giving away money and things and just being nice to people and spreading the spirit of generosity um, until he just like literally didn't have any money or anything left. (laughs) Um, So he'd settled back down in Mira, taking over his uncle's position as bishop. Now, the other things we know about him was that he was on the first council of Nicaea. And we also know that he had some pretty hard opinions on corruption that he saw in the Catholic church. Like he really hated that. Like some men of the Lord were taking bribes and they were doing things that weren't okay. And like taking money from poor people and like not spreading the wealth. Um, And like one of the famous things he did was there were three men who were set to be executed because the judge who convicted them had taken a bribe from someone who wanted these men dead. And he literally went to the execution and like, like Pocahontas, like grabbed the like ax from the execution. It was like, I am pardoning these men. You will not kill them. Yeah. So like he is a very good person. Um, later, of course, he was canonized and made a saint um, of that, children and sailors. <laughs> that's pretty impressive. Being on the first council of Nicaea, they chose the books of the Bible. I know. That's insane. Wild. So St. Nicholas helped yeah. form the Bible. I know. That's it's, crazy. It's wild. That is crazy. <laughs> 
Um, so like, you know, it's like, we don't know if like the little details of like, you know, gold coming down the chimneys and landing in stockings is exactly true, <laughs> but he was a real person. And it's heartwarming to think about the fact that there was a man who was so generous and so kind during his life that his spirit has inspired feelings of giving for, I mean, thousands of years oh, now. Yeah. Like it's yeah. really cool. <laughs> Um, of course, his memory first lived on in the tradition of a St. Nicholas Day or the Feast of St. Nicholas, which traditionally occurred on the 5th or 6th of December in Western Christian communities. In the European countries of German and Poland, boys have traditionally dressed as bishops and they beg uh, for alms for the poor. In Poland and Ukraine, children wait for St. Nicholas to come and to put a present under their pillows, uh, provided that they were good during this year. <laughs> uh, children who behave badly might expect to find either a twig or a piece of coal under their pillow. Rude. <laughs> and then in the Netherlands and Belgium, uh, children put out a shoe filled with hay and carrot for St. Nicholas's horse, which I also think is so sweet because we always put out carrots for the reindeer. Yeah, reindeer <laughs> food. <laughs> so when Martin Luther came around, he was like, these... This celebration of this Catholic saint uh, should not stick around. I don't care for that at all. So he is like, but I don't want to just like ruin Christmas or like ruin St. Nicholas Day. So he was the one that started around with the baby Jesus stuff. And he was like, well, no, it's not St. Nicholas coming to give you presents. It's the baby Jesus who's coming around giving you presents. Neat. <laughs> and so because... He needed a name for he called it the um in German it's the the Christkindle, uh you know because Kinder is child mm -hmm. in Christ the Christ um, child and as time went on people were mishearing it and they thought he was still talking about Saint Nicholas and there he was just calling Saint Nicholas Chris Kringle <laughs> so that's where that comes from that's crazy from Christkindle <laughs> from I love that another name for Santa comes from Martin Luther trying to like get, get rid, rid of, of Santa. Santa. <laughs> <laughs> Martin Luther just loved to get rid of shit. Yes, he, he did. Was like, Let me tell you the 95 <laughs> things I don't like. And a bonus one, Santa. Yep. Santa. I hate Santa. Uh, and another name that became popular was the Dutch name of Sinterklaas, which of course, thanks to author Washington Irving, was turned into Santa Claus in 1809. Americans started to really run with the Jolly Holly character and his flying wagon. And in 1823, Clement Clark Moore was inspired on his walk home on Christmas Eve in the snow. And he wrote his famous poem, The Night Before Christmas. His image, however, is kind of a combination of the real St. Nicholas, who is always depicted in this long white beard with a long cloak. And Odin, the Norse god, mm -hmm. who also has a long white beard and was driven around by a sleigh pulled by reindeer, which I find so fascinating that, like, you talked about Odin as well. Like, mm -hmm. the kind of Scandinavian, like, Germanic culture is such a part of it, too. It's just, I don't know. So it's, much. It comes from everything. Yeah, it's just, it's just so I mean, cool. nor Northern Europe had all the yeah. evergreens. Mm -hmm. They had, like, Christmas is very central mm -hmm. to that region because the Byzantine Empire was obsessed with yeah. expanding their culture up mm -hmm. north. So yeah. they just kept going up yeah. there. <laughs> they kept being like, we want more. Yeah. Of course, then when the empire fell apart, they just like left them in ruins mm -hmm. and it was <laughs> insanity. But it doesn't matter. 
Um, and then finally, we have the two women who inspired our current image of Saint Nick. Do you have the one from Italy? Yes. With her broom. La Bifana <laughs> yeah, okay. is her name. I don't know anything about her. I just know she exists. Yeah. I didn't do uh, as much research as I probably should have, but uh. we'll do another episode on this. Um, she is the kindly Italian witch who delivered <laughs> presents by broomstick, yeah. which I thought was so funny. And then Now Mrs. Claus. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's Frau Holly. Who gave women gifts at winter solstice? Oh, I love that. <laughs> so Frau Holly and La Bifana are our two ladies that are also a big part of Christmas. Do you want to know a fun Santa Claus fact? Yes, I do. Okay. So Santa Claus is always depicted or used to be always depicted in kind of robes very similar to like Eastern uh, Orthodox, like these uh-huh. long robes that are like yeah. green and blue and whatnot. Uh huh. You know where we got the red from? Where? 1930s Coca Cola ad. <laughs> Santa was not like officially put in red until Coke made that, that ad of Santa so holding the Coke. Crazy. Now it's not that he hadn't worn red before, but right. the red and white official outfit is wow. from that Coca Cola ad in the 1930s. That's crazy. That is bananas. <laughs> Who is the artist that did that? The um, the famous one, Norman Rockwell. Rockwell. Yes. Yep. Yeah, and that's his. So Norman Rockwell's work on Coca Cola changed the way that we see Christmas. That is wow. Because I do feel like earlier depictions of him, like, because they have like kind of a, a little movie they made about him and like. 1893 which is obviously in black and white so there's no color Mm -hmm. but he's in like these kind of like very long they're wizard robes robes. (laughs) he looks like a wizard that's exactly it (laughs) it's crazy yeah and then now he's you know odin with a little bit of coke yeah (laughs) odin and coke that's what we've learned today yeah and that's another funny thing too is he was so skinny yeah like i feel like santa used to be very skinny until the night before christmas poem yeah it was until they yeah, say the bowl full of jelly mm-hmm. right his stomach yep. <laughs> that's where we get a lot of our traditions too that yeah. one poem where it's yeah. like he comes at this time he, he cheeks he's you know wiggles his nose yep. he says ho 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 like all mm-hmm. of that is in that one poem <laughs> that guy and it's funny too because apparently he was like he didn't mean for it to be published <laughs> i saw like a little note about that i was like what <laughs> He was probably, like, so embarrassed. Like, oh, I hate this poem. (laughs) Well, everybody, it's Thursday. Yes. Tomorrow is Christmas Eve Eve. Mm -hmm. If Mm -hmm. you are Mm -hmm. Jewish, you're already in the middle of Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. You are a few days from Kwanzaa. If you celebrate Kwanzaa, we hope you just have a really happy holidays. If Mm -hmm. you don't celebrate any religious holidays, still have a happy holidays. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's all the same winter solstice. (laughs) (laughs) Celebrate with your family, your friends, give Mm -hmm. gifts, but... People around the tree, not what's under it. Yep, exactly. Uh, And throughout the holiday season, we want you to never forget that well-behaved women and elves alike. Do not stick around at the North Pole. They deliver gifts (laughs) along with Santa. And they rarely make history. Goodbye.